Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Yo, what's up, guys? Got a special NHL strategy show for you today. I know a lot of you guys are dipping your toes into the NHL streets while the NBA is on hold. And we got uh, a lot of concepts that we're going to talk about that will help you understand what you're getting yourself into and how, how to build some really strong lineups. So we got our resident NHL expert, Jake Hari. Jake, how's the season been going so far, man? I'm going well. Uh, started off pretty hot. Uh, been going through a little bit of a downward uh, trend the last week or so. But overall, very successful season. Uh, was able, lucky enough, to get a live final seat. I saw you were as well. So I'll be looking forward to um, competing against you uh, in that uh, in the coming months here. Yeah, man, that'll be rad. Uh, that's my first NHL one. So I've been trying for years. The first one I got. I know you, you've been to some of those finals before, so you have the edge in this one. Um, but... I uh, have some interesting strategies. Uh, I picked up on uh, playing NHL like on and off throughout the season that I want to kind of run by you throughout the show here. But uh, first, let's talk about the basics. I mean, in, in DFS, the most important thing, you want to avoid those zeros, the DNPs. And uh, part of that is just understanding where to get the, the right information for NHL. So let's start with the real basics. Like, how can we be sure like who's playing that night? Yeah, I think, um, well, not to sell too much, but I think if you're using the projections, you're going to be 99% sure that a player that's in there is going to be playing uh, every once in a while. Obviously, we'll miss one, but it's human error. Uh, but for the most part, you know, if you've got uh, access to the projections or the rankings, guys are in there, uh, you can be pretty sure they're going to play. Um, best way, uh, and this is very time-consuming, is to go on Twitter, follow a beat list, uh, with all the different beat writers. I'm sure it's similar for uh, sports like NBA, NFL. You can kind of get some nuggets there. Uh, teams will do line rushes in the, the pregame or the uh, morning skate, and then they will also do line rushes in the pregame skate. So you got a really good idea about who's going to play uh, early in the morning, uh, and then you get uh, confirmation on everyone about 20 to 30 minutes uh, prior to each game start time, assuming the beat writers – are uh, nice enough to tweet out the lines, which, you know, 95 to 100% of the time they are. Um, there's also lineup sites that kind of aggregate some of this information, but the best way is to go directly to the source, and uh, that's how you know who's playing or who's out. A lot of the team's beat writers are very good about um, letting you know game time decisions, stuff like that, guys that are late scratches. That kind of thing happens every once in a while, not as often as some other sports, but... There's definitely some of that. And so 
lastly, premium Slack is, you know, a great place to uh, get alerts. Um, you know, bots, myself, Cliffy, Josh Harris, one of those guys will alert the channel when, um, you know, there's any sort of late breaking news, uh, time sensitive news. And uh, we also post a lot of that on our Osmo NHL account as well, which is completely free. So feel free to go follow that if you'd like. Awesome, man. Yeah, so uh, the the morning rush gives you a lot of info, and I think that's where like the line pairings come from. So uh, obviously, like you want a team that scores a lot of goals, but the way the correlations work in NHL is a little different because you only have uh, twelve forwards and six defenders per team, but only five on the ice uh, between those two at any given moment. So. How important are those line pairings when you're building a lineup? Yeah, the, the line pairings are everything. Uh, specifically talking about the forwards, there is some defenseman stacking that you can do in some spots, but generally, uh, if you've got two to three guys uh, in your lineup that are on the same line or on the same power play, you're doing something right in terms of trying to maximize correlation, talking about uh, GPPs, so... Uh, you're not going to get more correlation really than guys that are skating on the same line together and also guys that play on the same power play where there's even a higher chance of them uh, getting a scoring opportunity. You can get up to, uh, I think it's 20 DraftKings points, and it's something, uh, I can't remember exactly how the FanDuel scoring goes, but uh, I think it's like 25, 30 uh, points. If you stack a full line, someone on the line gets uh, the goal, and the two other guys get the assist, which we call a full line goal. That's like the best thing that can happen in NHL DFS. And so um, you want to maximize your scoring opportunities uh, when you like a certain line with your forwards. What what kind of line performance do we need for like a GPP winning lineup? Is it about like three goals between the three skaters or how much production do we need? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the price. So like some, some of these guys' price, uh, like for the top lines, like the Boston ones, the uh, Colorado ones, they'll get priced up to like where each of their players is averaging like $8,000 in salary. So then you're going to need them to basically be the highest scoring line on the night, which is, yeah, usually about two to, to three goals um, on like a normal eight to 10 game slate. Um, things will vary as the slate size gets smaller and smaller. But yeah, I think three goals is a pretty good uh, amount to target. Awesome. So that kind of sets the bar. Most of these lines average less than a goal combined, I think, per night. I mean, the, the over-unders for games are usually around 5.5, so usually five to six goals per game. So really, you got to get pretty lucky, get the right uh, the guys, and of course that correlation helps big time. Now, with NHL, late swapping isn't as big a priority, I'd say, but maybe I'm just missing out on a lot of the value because I know... A lot of times, like, you guys are tweeting before the game or, or in Slack being like, these are the lines. So how important is it to be tinkering with your lineups throughout the night to, to get those correlations right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely important. Um, it's not, like, to the NBA level where, like, you're just going to lose if you don't do it. Um, <clears throat> you can definitely be a successful NHL DFS player uh, and grind out a profit without doing it, but... Um, the way I think of it is, especially if the news comes after lock, if we get new line combinations at pregame skate, it happens you know, probably once a night on the bigger slates at least, um, is you, you can swap to a combo that not a lot of people in the tournament are going to have 
especially if it's like a chalky team and you get some unexpected line rushes, well, everyone's going to have, uh, you know, this combo, but you want to swap uh, to a different line or the line that they come out with in pregame skate, that can present uh, a huge opportunity to get an edge on the field. So it is important, but it, sometimes it doesn't always work out when you're stacking because you've got three guys locked in that are expensive. You know, all of a sudden the line you want to swap to is more expensive than what they originally were. Um, because of, you know, a forward being swapped here or there, then, uh, you know, sometimes you're out of luck. But there's definitely spots where it is it is massive. And sometimes we know that going into the slate, we have some uncertainty on line combos, especially if the team had played the night before. They usually don't do a full uh, morning skate. So you can kind of anticipate these types of things and prepare for that with how you build your lineups. But it is important. Um, but that's not to say that you have to be glued to your computer every night. Nice. That's good to know. Um, now with the goalies, I know a lot of times the teams will report that a goalie is either confirmed or likely that night, but some of the time it's there's no report. So I, how do we handle those? I mean, uh, I know 30 minutes before the game, they usually have the goalie skate out. So that's when we know for sure. Yep. Yeah. So some of these teams, I mean, there's a handful of teams. The Predators come to mind. The uh, the Ducks, they, for whatever reason, they don't like to announce their starting goalie before the game. Now with the Ducks, like, they've got one of the best goalies, John Gibson. And so you can usually bet on him starting. And he's usually a little bit more expensive than their backup, Ryan Miller. Um, so you can always global swap down if you need to. FanDuel's actually done a really nice thing this year. They've priced all the goalies on the team the exact same. So you don't have to work like you can just global swap and it, it makes it super easy. So I think that's one thing that FanDuel might do a little bit better than DraftKings. Um, on DraftKings, they're usually within $200 of each other. So how I treat it, because, you know, I don't want to be stuck uh, in the, the final game of the night. You know, you've got a good lineup going. Maybe you've got a one-off goalie and he's 7,300 and you're expecting him to start. But turns out uh, the other goalie starting, he's seventy five hundred. Now you're you're just out of luck. You, you can't start a goalie. Like I've seen that happen with guys uh, in lineups. So I usually just play if, if I think it's going to be close. If you don't have confirmation, I usually just crunch my lineups. Like uh, the more expensive goalie is going to start, and then just you know I just sacrifice the two hundred dollars if it comes to it, or you've got a potential swap opportunity. Uh, get up a couple hundred dollars with one of your defensemen or something like that. It's a good trick, man, because uh, that sounds like a nightmare situation where, yeah. like, you can't start a goalie. <laughs> it's bad, yeah. I mean, uh, or, you know, you might forget to swap, like, but uh, that's more user error than anything. But there are ways you can prepare to kind of combat that if you're willing to give up the extra couple hundred dollars in salary. So DraftKings and FanDuel have pretty different scoring systems, especially since DraftKings added a lot of bonuses last season. Mm-hmm. So a lot of you guys might not have played last season. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about those bonuses. But overall, how do you approach DraftKings and FanDuel differently? Because they are scored pretty different. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I, I like to go very heavy on stacks, like three-man, four-man stacks and double stack. Um, but I think if you're hand-building lineups on DraftKings, like one-off uh, forwards that are high-volume shooters, are generally more in play and just better plays. You can get guys like uh, Pasternak, Ovechkin, guys that, you know, they attempt like six, seven shots per game on average or even more sometimes. Um, You can get those guys as one-offs because they're so likely to hit the five-shot bonus in uh, in certain spots. And so that's 10 points or 
yeah, I think it's 10 or 10.5. I can't remember exactly. Uh, DK points right there with just five shots. And then basically you just need a point or two after that um, for them to be a really nice one-off. And, and that's without their stack even going off, um, like their entire line going off. So um, like I think one-off high-volume uh, shooters are more viable on DraftKings. On FanDuel, um, you know, it's – I mostly just – uh, focus on like three man stacks. Uh, but the pricing is a little bit softer over there in general. They're a little bit, uh, later to react when a guy goes from the fourth line to the first line. Um, so you might get a cheaper guy. So I think one offing is viable over there. Um, but you know, there's definitely spots on DraftKings where I might want to go to like a five, two, one, um, and just try to rack up a ton of shots from, a team, maybe get a couple guys with a five-shot bonus, you get three or four goals, and you don't necessarily have to get the team that scores seven goals to have a GPP winning uh, a GPP winning score. Awesome. Now, with the, the new DraftKings scoring, we've had about a year to figure it out. So, uh, as you're saying, you can do the one-offs with the high-volume scoring uh, volume shooters. Now, are there any other adjustments you've made since uh, before that? Because uh, it does seem like those bonuses are really game changers. Yeah. So the other bonus is the shot blocks bonus, which is uh, you get uh, an extra three points for every or for the first three blocks a guy gets. You don't get the bonus again, unfortunately, if they get six. Um, but you know, like there will be times where you get a cheap defenseman, a guy that's willing to block shots, and all of a sudden he's playing the second pairing. You can project him for like 18 to 20 minutes. Like he's pretty, he's going to be pretty likely to get that shot block bonus if he's a guy that does block shots. So, like punting with one of my defensemen is something I've been doing more and more of uh, with guys like Matt Irwin or like, uh, you know, Andy Green. I don't know why he comes to mind, but he, he ends up in some of my lineups. Like these really, really cheap defensemen that, uh, have high block shot rates um, are more in play because they open up a lot of salary. They're decently likely to get that free block shot bonus. And that's 6.9 points right there. Anything else after that for mid salary or close to that is, uh, is extra. That's awesome. Yeah. I've always wondered like uh, how viable punting is because a lot of my lamps I'm building with projections and ownership, I'll have that one $2,500 guy. It sounds like on the defense side, like these guys that may be getting the penalty kill minutes where like they like don't produce anything offensively, but they're just getting like a ton of blocks. They might be decent. Now, what about the the offensive guys like a $2,500 like fourth liner or something? Would you ever want off a guy like that or is that just not worth it? Maybe maybe if I was trying to bink a live final like you with Jason Spezza. <laughs> Uh, I think you got him on the hat trick night. Uh, I I generally try to avoid fourth liners. Um, I mean, just the other day we had a fourth line get to a full line goal. So it does happen. And I think uh, I'd be more likely to do it on like a two or three game slate. But, uh, you know, if we're talking about like a six, five, six to 10 game slate, um, I usually just cross those guys out or set their exposure caps to zero in fantasy cruncher. Um Occasionally, you'll get guys like Alex Chason or uh, Travis Boyd's been playing some for the Maple Leafs uh, on the power play and their fourth line guys. Uh, if they're on the top power play and it gets you cheap exposure to like an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid, I think, you know, there's some exceptions to that. But generally, I, I tend to stick away from fourth liners 
uh, except for those situations. Nice. So maybe an exception to the rule. I, I just got lucky one night with one of those fourth liners. I don't even know how I got it because uh, we'll talk about sacking, but like some of the lineups I've been building in Fantasy Cruncher have been like 3-2 with like a defender, and then you have the one-off. And I haven't figured out the best way to do that. But let's talk stacking here. So the the very basic stack, I'd say, is you stack three guys from one line on offense and three guys from one line, yep. another line from a different team. So is that a strategy that's still a staple of your game? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, like, over the last few years, like, uh, probably 70 or 80% of my uh, big nights have been with the 3-3 three, three stack and usually a correlated goalie. Uh, with that so the thought process there with the correlated goalie is if three of your guys like the guys in your team are going off or scoring a handful of goals um then it's just more likely that your goal is going to get the win i just try to take a lot of the thought out of goalie it, like being on goalie tilt is is very rough like uh, you see every night there's um lineups that are otherwise really awesome get ruined by a goalie and you know with the 35 save bonus on dk like uh also, you see it the other way, where a cheap goalie that sees 40 shots could completely save you. So, you know, giving a like when you're correlating your goalie, um, like forcing it in, if you're making a bunch of lineups on Fantasy Cruncher, you might be giving up some upside. But uh, I think in general, on a big slate, like you, you mostly just want the win um, outside of, you know, there, there's times where there's like a $6,500 goalie that's a big underdog, but you might see 35, 40 shots, and that would be a spot I'd look to go uncorrelated. But, yeah, going back to your original question, 3-3, three, three, the cookie-cutter stack, we call it. Um, yeah, that's a big part of my game. So I think it's still underutilized, to be honest. Like, I see a lot of these third wheels on these lines be, like, a third or, you know, at most a half, uh, half of their ownership of the other two guys in the line. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to ask you about because a lot of times in the NHL, you have two really good players on the line and one guy that maybe a guy's out and they're getting a spot start at that in that line. So what's the best way to handle that? Because I know like some of these guys don't project super well. Is it worth just going for for the correlation and maybe because their line mates are better and maybe improves their chance of getting points? Or... Yeah, yeah. I think uh, taking a look at the ownership projections is what I do. Um, and so, like, if the if the cheap guy that isn't very good is projected to be ten percent owned, because just because he's cheap, then that's going to be a guy I'm looking to be underweight on. I wouldn't just x him out completely. Um, but like the Joe Thorntons of the world, the guys that don't really shoot a lot but play with elite players like Matthews and Marner. Um, he's been owned, you know, 15, 20% on some of these slates. And so he's a guy I'm almost always underweight on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's tough because you feel really dumb when that's the guy that gets the two goals that night. It's going to happen every once in a while when the scrub goes off at high ownership. But uh, in general, I'm okay losing those nights and uh, just kind of move it on to the next slate when I get beat by a Thornton or a Brock McGinn type guy. Nice, man. So... When it comes to stacking, uh, you were mentioning how you like to stack the goalie. Now, what about the defense? Because the way defense uh, rotates is not as correlated with the ice time, but some of them, if they're on the same power play as your forwards, maybe there's a little bit more correlation. So 
do you tend to target more defenders on the power play of your your uh your lines yeah yeah for sure and especially when you're correlating like when you're looking to correlate a defenseman i almost always want it to be a power play one guy so like the guys that uh could get points on their own they, they shoot a lot uh, guys like Roman Yossi, uh, Brent Burns, and also play top power play minutes. Um, so there's kind of two paths for them to score uh, and not kill your lineup, uh, even if the stack doesn't go off. So, um, yeah, you generally want a power play, uh, one quarterback. There's some teams that treat their power play units evenly. There's two power play units, if, if anybody's new. Um, and so, like, Vegas, for example, they, they evenly split the power play time. So the power play two quarterback uh can be viable there you could stack them with the power play two forwards but yeah i usually want at least one link but more more so like two or, or all the links meaning that if you stack dougie hamilton you want three forwards on the power play but i think at the very least i, I probably want two most times on a bigger slate awesome so that makes sense to target the power play uh quarterback now what about uh you build a lineup that is less you you like the players more, I guess, like a cash style lineup. Like, do you would you tend to avoid that in a tournament uh, with less correlation, or are there some instances where you would do that? I generally don't do that. So I'm like at least doing like a three man stack with another two man uh, even strength stack. I you know it happens um, when cash lineups go off, but like it's just like hitting the nuts on every single player is really difficult. It'd be like in MLB as a comparison, a lot of people play MLB uh, that watch us. And so it'd be like just guessing, you know, which seven guys from, from different teams. Whereas um, yes, you're missing out on like hitting the optimal. If you do a three, three stack, but uh, you don't need to have the actual optimal lineup or really that close to the optimal lineup in NHL DFS, which uh, gives you a little bit more room for error, a little bit more um, lends itself a little bit more to to correlating uh, even strength or power play lines. Awesome. Now, one other uh, question with the stacking is: uh, What if I have three players that I like um, from one team forwards, mm-hmm. and then would there be any situation where you'd want like an onslaught, maybe another stack from that team, or maybe a fourth forward, or is that uh, a bad strategy? Yeah, I think, uh, like, I I had... For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. I have some all the time, especially on shorter slates. I'll do like four or even five forwards from the same team. If I feel really good about the spot, if they're closer to like a four implied total, which we see every once in a while, um, that's a good way to get some differentiation on an otherwise chalky team. Like a lot, like if there's two good lines, for example, um, and every, like both of them are going to be popular. Well, that might be true, but how many people are going to have two guys or from uh, each line in their lineup? And so, I like that as a way to get different um, going into that. I think like power, like full power play stacking is even more viable uh, this season because of, you know, we're getting some lack of news um, compared to other seasons with COVID happening. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think 
that's definitely a really sound strategy, especially on shorter slates, four gamers, three gamers. I like doing that a lot. Awesome. Now, one thing that I've uh, heard people say is a bad strategy is if you stack opposing lines from the same game. So like Boston is playing Vegas or something, and then you have Boston one and Vegas one, for instance. But I feel like, uh, I mean, there there may be some subtleties here because there's two time, types of matching, like the hard matching and then like the soft matching. So do you want to explain like... Would you want to target lines from the same game on opposing sides, or is that something we should generally avoid? Yeah, I generally avoid it. But again, the smaller the slate, the less restrictive you have to be with your lineups. So um, 10 gamer, uh, I'm probably not having very many forwards at all in the same lineup uh, from uh, teams that are playing each other. Uh, defenseman, I don't really worry about because you know a team could be caving in the other team. Like let's say Boston one's going off and uh, Vegas on the other side. Well, you could play a cheap defenseman um, on the Vegas side because if they're if they're crushing the other team, then it's more likely that that player might be racking up some blocks. He's cheap. He might open up some salary elsewhere with your otherwise expensive team, uh, expensive stack. Um, but yeah, in general, forwards, I don't really love doing that. I know some people, like, they see the, the six and a half totals that we have, um, and there's not been too many of them this season, but, you know, every couple of days we'll have a six and a half implied total and they'll, they'll want to stack up the team but uh, it's just so hard to predict that both sides will go off in a given game like I'm more looking for uh, one team dominating and then finding a, a secondary stack in another game yeah that makes sense to me with uh, only one team can be taking shots at a time so right. there's definitely some correlation there now the top stacks tool uh, you guys have seen it for other sports and we give you the chance that each line will be the highest scoring versus the ownership for the line. So how do you uh, apply that in how you're choosing what lines to stack? Yeah, I think it's great uh, regardless of how you're building, um, whether you're building with an optimizer, whether you're building uh, with our lineup builder or just hand building on DraftKings or FanDuel. Um, I'm, I want to be looking for lineups that have uh, the leverage score that we have, which is the farthest right column on our top stacks tool. Um, we've got the prices all laid out on DraftKings and FanDuel, which is, which is really nice. You can kind of get an idea of which lines go together. Um, and what I'd be looking to do if I was hand building is get at least one of my, my lines if I'm 3-3 stacking to have some positive leverage. Because if that's the case, uh, you're probably not going to, like that combination of stacks together is probably not going to be super popular. Uh, you'd probably want to avoid stacking a net, uh, a, uh, someone who's got negative leverage, one line with negative leverage with another line with negative leverage, um, because then that might be uh, two overall lines being stacked together. That's going to be a popular combo and it's going to be one that the field's going to be on. So that's kind of a bad combo, but yeah, looking for lines with positive leverage. Um, usually it's more expensive lines that are, are a little bit tougher to fit in your lineups, like we see in MLB. Um, but those present opportunities if you're willing to take some stabs at some cheap lines that are going to be 1%, 2% owned, which we have all the time. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, especially, like, as you're saying, like, if you stack two chalky lines, maybe that's a little bit too... Mm -hmm too uh, much what other people are doing so they'll help you figure that out one thing i've noticed in a lot of different sports is as you move up in stakes the ownership is higher on the best plays and lower on some of the less optimal plays so 
Actually, when I won this 20-person qualifier, I just went for like the lowest owned, high price stack, and no one else had them. So that, that was something that worked for me. But have you have you noticed that um, the ownership is predictably higher on certain players as you move up in stakes? Yeah, like uh, there's a handful of guys. So the two that come to mind right away, uh, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, like they're almost always two of the top three projected players on the slate in any projection systems, not just ours, go to any site, uh, anyone that's making projections. Uh, and people will just hammer them as one-offs because I don't know if it's because of FOMO, if they're building more of a cash build or, or what's happening there. Um, and so those guys, while they might be projected in the, uh, we might've pr- projected at like 20, 25%, they might get up to like 50% in the 333 on DK. So you see that happen all the time. Um, but yeah, like the best plays, like the top spots on the night are always, uh, almost always more heavily owned uh, the higher up you go in stakes. So that's something to look out for. Um, if it fits perfectly and you're playing it in a high stakes single entry, it's a good chance. Uh, like if you feel really good about that lineup, it's a good chance that you're going to be duped or um, very similar to a lot of other lineups in that tournament. Definitely. Now let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about like how you allocate your salary because these three positions in hockey are quite different with goalie, like forward and defense. Mm-hmm. So I know with baseball, we have a similar dynamic where it's like pitcher versus hitter. I know like a lot of people like to spend more on the batters and then less on pitcher. Um, is there a similar dynamic in hockey? Yeah. Uh, man. I, so I guess I don't really think about that a ton, but um, just looking at like the top stack tool, uh, if you're willing to punt on some defensemen and allocate more salary to forwards, you're probably going to be different more often than not. People don't like double punting. Um, I don't love double punting, but like a couple mid-tier defensemen will allow you to fit into like upper to mid-tier stacks. That might be an unpopular combo. Um, so I, what I do, I play the expensive defensemen. I, I probably overplay them a little bit. Um, so I've gotten away from that a little bit this season, but uh yeah, I, I think, man, a, a lot of these mid-tier stacks, it feels like this season, are going a little bit over-owned. So getting up into that upper mid-tier, like the top five or six that might have uh, the top five or six in terms of being a top two stack, um, might only have like a two or three percent ownership share I'm looking at right now for, for on tonight's slate, for example. Um, and so getting more exposure to those guys, punting one or uh, both of your defenseman spots is a way to get unique. Awesome. That's a good tip. Now with the goalie, I feel like I've always experienced like a tough choice here because the big underdogs are facing a lot more shots. That's why they're big underdogs. And there's a ton of volatility there where they give a bonus for 35 saves. But then you get the big favorites. They're much more likely to get the win. They project higher. So um, do you lean one way or the other or do you not have a strong preference on that? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out ways to get more exposure to these cheap goalies. It's a little difficult when you're trying to correlate your goalie with a stack because then you would have to play a stack like uh, with the Red Wings, who are usually have like a two or two and a half implied goal total at most. Um, the goalie might be a good play, but like the stacks playing with them aren't great. So the cheap guys, the $6,900 guys, the $6,700 guys that we see uh, on DK, like those are definitely guys that you want to have some exposure to if you're not correlating. 
Um, and one way I'm, I'm trying to combat like the median projection because these guys project so low on a median project uh, projection uh, basis. And that's what we're doing with our projections uh, is to up their randomness based on how many shots you expect them to see. So uh, we do have the, uh, the uh, goalie stats. And so maybe if they're projected to see uh, like they're projected to have more saves, well, then you're going to want to bump up their randomness to uh, make it more likely that they'll show up in your lineups on FC. Nice, man. Uh, so the more saves, yeah, more shots. So that's, that makes a lot of sense. Now, in baseball, I know a lot of people, if there's a chalk pitcher, they'll pick the opposing batters. Is that something in hockey that we're looking at? Or I, I feel like uh, the chalk goalie, the other team usually isn't very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I think it, it works for sure, but it's not like as unilateral in NHL because you could have a team that's got a four implied total, uh, like score four goals. But if they have 45 shots, that goalie on the other side, if he allows four goals and gives up or has 41 or 40 saves, they're still going to be like, they're not going to kill your lineup. In fact, they could be on a tournament winning lineup. So like both could get there in a really high event game. But yeah, there's definitely some negative correlation. And so it would be something I would be looking to do, um, especially as you get up in stakes, where uh, if you play the goalie against the chalk team, like you're cutting down so much of the field, um, assuming that goalie somewhat keeps that team in check. Now, uh, one of the line of fundamentals, I would guess, is you don't want to stack or you don't want to play opposing players to your goalie. Is that something you generally stick to or do you relax that constraint a little bit sometimes? I relax it on two gamers, three gamers. I think it's debatable. Um, but yeah, four, four or more, I don't. Like, I don't really think there's a need for that. You just have to thread the needle like so perfectly for that to work out. Like, it does happen and everyone makes a big deal about it on Twitter when that kind uh -huh. of thing happens on like a 10-game slate. But usually it's a mistake or someone global swapped late and so they end up with a, a player or two against their goalie. I would say, though, if you are going to do that on a smaller slate, uh, I would prefer it to be a shot-blocking defenseman. So they're not like, you know, not like some guy that needs to score 20 DK points uh, against your goalie, like a Patrick Kane or someone like that to be worth it. Nice. Makes sense to me. Now, we got a couple of tools for you guys to help build lineups. Our hand-building tool is the lineup builder. So how do you usually implement this tool? Because I see you using it on uh, a lot of our shows every day. Yeah, I think, uh, so I've been using this more and more as the season goes on. The uh, great part about the lineup builder, it's got the implied totals. Uh, and this is when you have a platinum or an NHL package. Um, you'll get the ownership projection, the uh, individual player projection, and then you'll also get the stack projection, which I think is a really nice touch. You can see how, some of these uh, forward stacks compare to each other. And that's the even strength stack. We don't have power play capabilities, um, but you can see like Brian Rust, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, they have a 37.9 uh, projection uh, in total. So you kind of know what you're getting there. Um, you can kind of also guess at line matching here uh, based on the teams, the home team's tendencies, whether they're going to match the first or second line against uh, the opposing team's first line. So I think it's just, a really good layout. Um, and so what I'll usually do if I'm building lineups on the hand builder, uh, on the lineup builder, uh, this, this is what I would consider building lineups by hand is just click in my first stack, 
Uh, and then maybe try to find a stack that uh, is a little bit lower owned if the first stack you clicked in is chalky. And um, you, know, you can kind of deduce the value based on the price and the projection on each player. And so um, it's, it's a really cool tool to play around with. You can export directly from here. Uh, and it'll also give you a grade as you uh, fill out the entire lineup. So you can kind of see how contrarian you're, get, you're getting um, as, you, uh, as you build the lineup. So, yeah. Nice, man. This is, uh, it looks like a pretty easy way to, to build some stacked lineups. So that's pretty convenient. Now, uh, when it comes to the grades, I always get this question in MBA, like what value should I have? The value ranking means like you're projected to have more points than X percent of the field and contrarian ranking is the same with ownership. So in MBA, I'm saying like you want to veer more towards value than contrarian. Mm -hmm. How do you handle an NHL? Because I feel like it's not immediately clear to me if projection or ownership is more important. I think ownership is more important. Like if you could only have one, you would want to have ownership, but you also don't want to have like let's say the optimal on a certain, on a given night is 120 DK points. You don't want to have a lineup that projects for 65. Like you don't want to stack Detroit's third line with you know some fourth line uh, and leave a bunch of salary on the table. You, you want to use up most of your salary, if not all of it. Um, and yeah, but but generally you want a low sum of ownership for sure, but uh, also like a low like. Um, a low product of ownership, I think, is also really important. That's something you've talked about in some of the stuff on the Learn DFS uh, tab on the site. So if you guys want to go read more about that, feel free to do so. I think that's uh, very valuable because then you have a better idea of how popular your entire lineup is rather than just maybe one part, like the goalie, uh, the the primary stack. You could have a really high on primary stack, but you know it might not be a very popular secondary stack that you go to, and you're going to have a really unique lineup and also, uh, you know, close to uh, the optimal projected lineup. Awesome. All right, let's talk a little bit about Fantasy Cruncher. Uh, that's our MME tool. So the first thing I want to know is what's the best way to stack in Fantasy Cruncher? Because that obviously makes it a lot easier to, to create lineups that are well stacked. Yeah, uh, I think so. There's a couple ways to do it. You can do it with rules. So you can build a rule. You could say stack all centers with at least two centers and wings from the same team. Uh, that will give you a three-three stack. Uh, I prefer to go with the team stacks tab in the advanced settings. So what I'll do is create a new stack right here. Uh, since we're talking forwards right now, let's go three-man forward stack, and we'll just do even strength to keep it simple. Uh, Fantasy Cruncher has the capabilities to do all four, uh, all four even strength lines plus the power play lines. So you can pretty much do whatever you want. You can add in a goalie if you want. But for now, um, let's do uh, lines one and two on our first stack, and we'll include we'll include third lines on this stack. And uh, right now we've got a hundred percent. FC will allow us to stack a line uh, over and over and over again. Since this is, uh, let's say this is a bigger slate, it's a bigger slate tonight, so maybe we only want to do like 20% uh, on our first stack, and let's do 20% on the second stack. So now we're going to end up with a bunch of three threes. Uh, right now we've got one unique player. I like to do three or four. Um, it'll get lower and lower as you go. 
Um, so let's do three right now. And then randomness, I don't know. Let's do 15% randomness. We'll get a we'll get a nice spread here. That's classic randomness, by the way. And uh, let's just crunch out some laps. So I got 150 loaded up here. And uh, one thing to note, um, so since there are rules that we apply uh, for NHL lineups in Fantasy Cruncher, it might move a little bit slower than other sports. So you're going to want to start your crunch a little bit early or have lineups that you feel comfortable using prior to lock. So you don't get, you know, you don't try to crunch like maybe you could in NBA two minutes before. It's going to take uh, a little bit longer because FC is calculating so many different uh, variables, depending on how many rules you have, depending on if you have correlation boosts. And so here, let's see, we've got 37 lineups we're going to stop on. Um a lot of Carolina, they've got a 3.9 implied total tonight, so no surprise there. A lot of Pittsburgh won that lineup I was talking about, or that line I was talking about earlier. Um, and you see we've got kind of a good spread of different lines here. Um, if you wanted an even bigger spread, you could increase your uniques to four or even five. So if we ran it with five, um, you know, we'll get an even bigger uh, variation of players here. But the interesting thing with the uniques is if you set it above three, then you're not going to have the same two lines yep. stacked, right? Yeah. So if you set it to, if you've got two even strength stacks, like we've got right here, and they're both three, three, and you do four uniques, you'll never get uh, two lines together. So like you said, so we're running five there. We won't, let's just run 20 right here. So that means we'll get Carolina a bunch, but we won't get them paired with the same line. Um, and on a bigger slate, I think that's a perfectly fine way to go. Four uniques is great. Uh, three, if you want to, uh, you know, have a couple combos in there multiple times, there's nothing wrong with that. Just depends on what you're trying to accomplish with the lineups that you build. So uh, three or four, or two to four, let's say, is uh, how I usually go. Um, but you can go up to five, I think, um, on these 10 gamers. You know, we'll get some 12, 15 gamers uh, as we go throughout the season. Awesome. Uh, so we talked about the uniques and randomness. Now, do you set exposure caps for stacks or players? I think, yeah. Uh, I I mean, I like to set just like caps like this, like basically what we did. And I think you can go through and let's say you don't want to play Detroit tonight. You could just cross them off. Um, but I want to get like a good spread of different lines, uh, different sort of pairings. And then uh, you might, you know, you might cross off a couple teams or a couple, like if you know the second line for Florida stinks, cause it's got uh, Alex Wenberg on it. You can cross them off uh, on both of your stacks. And so uh, this is a way to kind of cut down the, uh, the bad lineups. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's not like a perfect way. I know you could do it with ownership, Um that's a, that's a thing that we've done for MLB a lot. Um, but yeah, there, there's no right or wrong way to do this. But in general, I want to get a good, um, a lot of diversification in my lineups, build more lineups than I need, and then cut down from there, uh, take out more of the chalkier combos uh, that you, you know, based on our ownership projections. Awesome, man. Uh, thanks for all the tips here. Hopefully that gave you guys some ammo to work with for, for these big tournaments coming up. Guys, if you have any more questions, make sure to drop them in our regular videos. Uh, Jake, you're on 
along with our other NHL guys every day pretty much at 3 p.m. Eastern. And then we have some Live Before Locks scheduled for the All-Star break, so that'll be pretty cool. And, of course, uh, you can find everyone in the premium Slack. So if you have the membership, jump on there. That's a great place to get any questions answered. Jake, any final thoughts? Thanks, everyone, for watching. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter or in Slack. If you got any questions, I'm happy to help out. Um, whether you're a subscriber or not, it doesn't matter. I uh, just want to see more people get involved playing NHL DFS. Uh, we love it. We've got a good community, so feel free to join if you're so inclined. I think you'll like what you get, and uh, good luck over this All-Star break and beyond. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys, and good luck. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.